Now looking at the stories that have been making headlines throughout the week, and one of those stories is the cabinet reshuffle that we saw and the swearing in of ministers and the deputy president, the newly appointed deputy president. It's 13 minutes after 8. Joining us to give us some perspective on this, we do have Craig Bailey. Am I reading that correctly? Craig Bailey, good evening to you, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. All right. All right, let's uh, try Reverend Ntla. Good evening to you, Reverend. Good evening, Naya. Thank you for having me on your show this evening. Yes, thank you very much. First, your your take on what you saw during the week. South Africans saw, uh, well, a few ministers being shuffled around and some taking the back bench and the new pres deputy president. Your take? Well, my take, I think, is 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 that we have lost another opportunity as South Africans to put our best foot forward and to get uh, people who are above reproach in the position of power. Um, we, I think, the the ruling party and especially the president did not use this opportunity to take away any lingering doubt on. Uh, his commitment to to end corruption. So I think that 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 is part of the problem. Obviously, the other part of the problem is that the uh, the skill set that one would have wanted to see in relation to uh, the cabinet reshuffle uh, should have been a fit for purpose uh, skill set skill set. Uh, and so, to the degree that you have the the cabinet limited to this uh, National Assembly and to those people who happen to be there, who happen to have to come from the branches of a political party, almost guarantees that we end up with a team that that is not equal to the task facing the nation at this point. My gathering from what you're saying that you're not happy with the new cabinet ministers and deputies minister. Exactly, yes. I'm not, well, I couldn't say that for, for all of them. There probably are some that, that, that would be suitable. But I think that the general impression is that one, you know, the, the, it, it could have been better if, you know, the skills were and merit were, were considered as, a, as the, the overriding factor in, in light of the problems and, and challenges that we have. Give us an example of what you mean, sir. Uh, two things. I think that you will know that the, there are some ministers that <clears throat> were fingered in the, in the Zonda Commission that um, one would have hoped that this would not see a, a, any future in, in the in the in the reshuffled cabinet, uh, but uh, some of those who were still there, and so that that leaves. Uh, a lot to be desired, and uh, and so one could go on. And uh, I do. I don't think we. Uh, this is probably the best time to go th through each one of those that were elected in terms of their merits, uh, in regards to their suitability for the task that they will have to to deal with. Uh, but I think the issue uh, is that at the very least, one would have hoped that ministers that were expressly fingered in the Zondo Commission would not come up.
Okay, so your issue is with those that were fingered, particularly those that were fingered in by the Zondo Commission. Am I understanding you well? Yes, correct, yeah. All right, and now, um, first, before I, we even continue, I'd like to understand, is this your personal position or is this the position of the Evangelical Alliance of South Africa? The the Evangelical uh, community is... is uh, very committed to upholding values that say we would like to elect leaders that are above approach. That is the uh, that is above reproach. That is a, a standard practice within evangelicalism. Where you see that not being complied with, it's an aberration. I know that, for example, within your earlier. Um, you know, presentation around the American evangelical scene. You mentioned the Donald Trump issue and, and the sort of things that evangelicalism within the U.S. Uh, got up to in terms of standing on the on the wrong side of the truth, on the wrong side of public morality, uh, and that that is an aberration. That does it's not a good representation of evangelicalism and what it stands for. And so, evangelicalism in this country would stand for the idea that you elect leaders that. Uh, to the degree possible are and, and verifiable on understands where it, it is contested issues, but where it is the, there is an indictment on a public official, you want to stay away from that. So the, 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 the new kid in the block, tell us about the, the Minister of Electricity, your view as far as the Minister of Education, of, of Electricity. Uh, well, <clears throat> I haven't got specifics with regard to the to this minister. All I know is that he's not an engineer. I would have thought someone who is clued up with how electricity works, uh, every side of this from generation to transmission to uh, every aspect of that, you want someone who really knows what what is going on there. I don't know whether the, the incumbent currently uh, would qualify in that sense. I'm fully aware that you... He doesn't have to be an expert in all those things. All he has to be able to demonstrate is that he's able to put a team together that that will deliver that. That with this country, there's enough expertise in this country that can solve this problem. Does that not apply uh, with all the ministers, though? It does, yes. And, and I'm 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 looking at this particular one because the country is hurting uh, in the area of. Uh, of uh, load shedding and so that is a critical one what i'm challenging there reverend is, is that you said that the, the person must have a know-how some skills and so forth but in this context of Hossi and suramukhupa you're suggesting that he doesn't really have to have those skills and know-how he should just be able to put, to put together a team that sounds somewhat uneven no i i was saying having said that i He's not an engineer and he's not obviously suitably qualified. That was my departure point. But given that, I was saying, even at the level of say, of saying, let's assume that he's a good manager. He can put a team together that delivers. Even in that case, uh, the tradition or the, 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 the scorecard so far seems to point in the direction of people who come even at the invitation of a minister that are not suitable to solve the problem at hand. 
And so even if he wasn't uh, a competent genius electrician or electrical engineer, we can we can let that pass if there is a, there is a, every indication that he would do the right thing with regard to putting a team together. However, if you see what we have done with uh, Andrew Director, for example, uh, that w instead of addressing the issues that he was raising, it's almost like the the ruling party was playing the ball rather than the issues that that uh, are playing the man rather than the ball rather, and so that we, nothing uh, you know persuades us that this is a departure from that game plan. Tell us about the Defend Our Democracy campaign. The Defend Our Democracy campaign is a campaign that is looking at the state of our democracy about three decades after its inauguration and realizing the very real dangers that are uh, facing us in the eye, uh, chief among which is corruption and the, and the commitment of some who are really determined to, to not go to prison uh, who are determined to make sure that rather than go to prison, they might they 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 they'd ra much rather bring the whole uh, country down. And so, defend our democracy is to say, as South Africans, it is up to us to decide what we want to do with this democracy. Do you want to save it? Do you want to defend it? Or do you want to let it go the way uh, that the weakest among us, the most corrupt among us, would like to take it? in order to, to safeguard their, their, uh, their avoidance of prison. Why would, the, so, why would a theistic organization defend democracy? Surely you should be defending theocracy, not democracy. Um, this, I, I don't know the, 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 the reason why you, why you say that. Defend our democracy is not a Christian organization. It's, it's so it, a theocracy would presume that there is a, a built-in idea that God ought to be at the center of it. This is not is a secular project. It is one in which Christians and non-Christians alike, people of religion and people who are not religious, can be part, can be part of it. So, defend our democracy accepts the givens of our society that it is not a sectarian or tribal a tribal the society, all South Africans of whatever shape or form must feel they have a franchise, must feel they have a stake uh, in this democracy, and we all must defend it together. I so theocracy would then exclude some a, a large section of the society who don't agree with God. I totally understand you, sir. I totally agree with you. However, you, on the other hand, are reverend. And what I'm trying to get to understand is why would a reverend be defending democracy and not theocracy? Your organization is supposed to be theistically inclined. Why would, would a religious organization be defending democracy and not theocracy? That's what I'm trying to understand. Try and reconcile the two. Yeah. Thank you for the question. Um, our organization, uh, uh, the, well, there are two, I suppose. One is the Evangelical Alliance, which I lead. Uh, does not believe in theocracy for the simple reason that uh, this country belongs to all people who are in this country, whether they are believers or not believers. 
and all of us fought for the liberation of South Africa uh, from the shackles of the past, and we know what happened when when Christians tried to set up a political system that had God in its pre, in the preamble of a constitution, which is the apartheid uh, constitution. It was a disaster. When and, was uh, this? Apartheid Pardon? never involved Christianity in the system, sir. Again, we're hearing this for the second time tonight. There was no Christianity in apartheid. What they called Christianity was not founded in Christian philosophy. Well, if you read the the the, the constitution of the apartheid government, it starts with a preamble that says, that quotes God and 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 God having been the one who brought all of these tribes from all over the world and gave them this their land. Uh, so that it was a constitutional doctrine that was a departure point of of uh, apartheid. And similarly, even in the, the theological rationalization of apartheid, there, there was a lot of, uh, particularly Christian reformed or Dutch reformed theologians that uh, that were propping up that system. Well, the, after that experiment, it is clear to everyone that if you do that, if you co-opt God into a political project like, like that, you are bound to misrepresent him and be unable to see your own self-interests and greed and, and all of the, the things that came with that. So the Evangelical Alliance came at this in, in 1994 with a clarity of mind about you don't want the theocracy, you want the people of South Africa who are committed to the common good to put this society together where everyone can, can have the franchise, can share in the prosperity of this country. So that's our commitment. Okay, um, Reverend, also would like to make this abundantly clear. I want to distinguish between um, what Christians have been putting out there in the public domain and the constitution you're referring to, and that's of 1961. I, I really am bothered and worried that we're still talking about Christianity as we have it and we understand it today and mixing it with the constitution of the apartheid government it really is bothersome, but I would like to invite you because you seem to be adamant about it. I'd like us to talk about it. Can we invite you to come and talk about it to us next week? Yes, sure. All right. Happy to do that. All right. All right. We're going to do that. Thank you very much, Reverend. As we conclude our conversation, I'd like to say now that we have those ministers and deputy ministers, um, do you have any faith that things will get better in the country or are you one of those people who believes things will go south and further south? I believe that we it's all up to us. I, as a person of faith, I believe that we can always make a, a, a good progress even in the light of adversity. There is, as you might be aware, a lot of campaigning by civil society around electoral reform, which says that the very idea that cabinet and the president himself has to be elected by a few people who happen to meet at the Nasrak and so on. It, it simply disenfranchises the great majority of this country who feel they're not part of that party and they're not feeling able to select any of the other parties. So those people would like to be able to have an independent process where independents can stand for election. So, and that is currently, the courts have ruled in favor of that proposition. And uh, we believe that 
maybe not in the next election, but the, the, the one following that, we might be able to see that. However, even given that, the the current rule, rulers of the of this of this society uh, will do whatever they are allowed to do by the by the general public. We believe that if South Africans could rise to the challenge of holding government into account from the local level to the provincial to the national, then we might mitigate the tendencies toward the lack of accountability uh, and so forth. All right. We're so right. to that extent, we, we have hope. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand. Thank you ever so much, uh, Reverend Moss and General Secretary of the Evangelical Alliance of South Africa, TSA. I'm hoping I'm reading that correctly. And the pastor of a church in Mutlakeng. Thank you very much, Reverend. Thank you.